typical affectionate English relationship. I don't see you on the list, buddy. My mom will literally have a fit. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that says shy little wine like a gazelle. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. We do what the heart tells us, and then we go to confession. Well, not anymore. <laughs> well, right. Although confession's great, man. Yeah. This like, movie, so this is Brideshead Revisited. Yes, the uh, movie. Not this the miniseries. Movie, yeah, the movie. Like, And look, we know that the miniseries is better. Yeah, because without we, having seen it. We watched this whole movie <laughs> and we were like, we can't honestly imagine very many, you know, entertainments <laughs> that aren't better than this. With the exception of Titanic Blood and Steel. Sure, which, sure. again, we're sorry. <laughs> Let me put it this way. There's no way that a, a, a work that is generally liked, as Brideshead Revisited the miniseries seems to be, could be worse than this movie like no this like, is there's, uh, like this wasn't there's real terrible stuff out there and this wasn't like real this terrible was like if this had just been on like amc or something i don't even know who shows the movie bbc america like yeah. on a saturday afternoon sure. and i was just like sitting around hung over it's it would have been perfectly fine like i would have ordered a pizza <laughs> I would have been like playing video chess, like yeah. a lot of things. It's it's a real screensaver of a movie. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and so we hope most of you didn't watch it. <laughs> um, but unlike the miniseries, it's just a couple hours long. It is just a couple so. hours long. Like the miniseries is like thirteen hours long. Yeah, and we're pretty busy. <laughs> um, also, this version has Matthew Good in it. It does, which you know. Gets my crank a turn in. It, it does indeed, as we have all witnessed. No, but this movie and was, it was weird because... it was co-written by Eyeliner. Yes, Andy co-written Davies. by Eyeliner. Uh, Miss Revilius was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody that we thought was Danker, but turned out not to yes, be. Yes, not Danker. <laughs> and then uh, Sir Hallam yes. from Upstairs, Downstairs, the 2010 version, was in it and was easily my favorite performance of the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. walked away with it. Yeah. IMO. Um, yeah. Haley Atwell, who seems to have lost an astonishing amount of weight between this movie and currently. She has a differently shaped face, I will she say that. She very much does. Um, and she's like fine. Yeah, she, well, you know, we'll get Look, into the all the whole this. thing is fine. Yeah. The whole thing is just like, I guess it does what it's supposed to. Right. At any rate, we wanted to do this because it's one of my favorite books. Yeah. Um, which I haven't read in a while. That's the weird thing is it's one of my favorite books that I've only read once. Mm-hmm. I've actually only read it once too, and that's very unusual. And for I me. want to reread it, but it also was like a very magical experience for me. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's so Catholic, mm-hmm. and we were raised so Catholic, and I so appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and like that's... getting, I'm getting really into like being a secular Catholic. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what that means because mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. But right. Like I want to start it. <laughs> no, I mean, there's sec- a lot of us out secular there. Secular Jews, right, right, and like you can be proud of having been raised Jewish without actually like buying into any of it. That's true, and that's like a respect. Like your parents don't necessarily respect it. Yeah, but we that ship sailed for us long ago. Right, right. But it's like, no, man, I totally still like it's like the whole thing about the saints. Like that's crazy and mm-hmm, awesome. Mm-hmm. Like and that's the expanded universe. Like we were saying about confession. Yeah, confession. What a great idea mm-hmm. for people. Yeah, it's a religion that says... It was therapy before therapy. Right, it was. And it's a religion that says you're going to screw up. Like, we get it. Yeah. Let's work with that. Yeah. But also, you can, like, purchase things that will get you out of purgatory. Well, sure. That just makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Okay. Well, let's get into this. We yes. can continue talking about Catholicism, I'm sure. Right. Okay, off the bat, before we get into the real recap. So mm-hmm. this movie seems like they spent literally all of their money on Emma Thompson and Michael Gambon <laughs> in parts that are neither showy nor interesting. Yeah. Like, like, and they both are, you know, Emma Thompson and Michael Gambon. They're, they're, you know, Gambon's going to gam, Thompson right. going to tomp, and they don't do that at all in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I liked Emma Thompson a bit more than you did in this part. Um, you know, I think you were just looking for something a little kind of bigger, I guess. I guess I was thinking for something bigger or just something a little nastier. Mm-hmm. Like, again, well, having read guess, the book actually, only once, right. like, well, I, I guess, wanted a little bit more acid from that character. Right. And I guess actually, that's actually what I liked about it because that's what I was expecting. And so it played against my okay. expectations that way. But, I mean, uh, not – she didn't – again, we both agree that – random other guy was definitely better in his role yeah. than, than Emma Thompson well, or Michael Gambon. Well, like, you don't... I didn't get the sense of the weird, hyper, unhealthily close relationship between her and Sebastian mm-hmm. in this. Like, mm-hmm. you get a little bit of a glimpse, and I mean... This, what I will say, it makes some very bold choices. It does. About where to place its lens and its gaze. And yeah. it's clearly in Charles Ryder's perspective. Mm-hmm. And he's a very limited narrator in this. Right. And we don't spend as much time with the flights or the march mains, like whatever sure, sure. you want to call them. Yeah. Um, I think the Granthams, the Crawleys. Yeah, exactly. Same deal. But like, that whole first part of the film didn't feel as lived in as it does in the book yeah yeah and then and just they didn't play any of the comedy well that was the that was a big issue yeah like there's so much funny stuff in this and the Mm -hmm. guy playing mr Ryder, yeah tried his damnedest no and it was such a i mean and it should be it's a lot like um uh it's his role in it is a lot like uh uh miss lucas well emma no i was actually thinking of pride and prejudice the dad there yeah um how he's just like so but i think i mean well sort of particularly the miniseries version of him where he's kind of like mean okay but i thought of mr Ryder actually as more of a mrs bennett in that he was very like frivolous and weird and Mm. like his priorities were all out of whack yeah i found him being more just like i've decided to not care about my family and be kind of like mean to them yeah I mean, he's only got the one relative. Yeah. And it changes things. I don't know. At any but rate, in any okay, case, it's, so it's comedy. There's very little comedy. And that's what's amazing about Sir Hallam's performance. And mm-hmm. I apologize. I looked him up on IMDb and I don't remember <laughs> his name, but was he, he managed to. Was he Ed Stoppard? Somebody was yes, Ed Stoppard. Yes, Ed Stoppard. Yeah. Who I wonder if is related to Tom Stoppard. Right. I feel like he would almost have to be. <laughs> he would think. In um, at any rate, he manages to wring comedy <laughs> out of his scenes. Yeah. Despite the fact that nothing in the directorial lens encourages it. Right. And I mean, it's really, it's a, or the editorial lens. Yeah. But I mean, this is really, this is all, I, you know, I feel like it all comes down to the direct, director. Yeah. Gerald. Yeah. Captain Gerald. <laughs> it was supposed to be, uh, David Yates. Mm-hmm. And he left the film to go direct Harry Potter and the whiny baby. The Order of the Phoenix. Sorry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and the film was originally supposed to start Paul Bettany, Jude Law, and Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. And this is in 2004, which is a crazy, insane cast. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Jennifer Connelly absolutely cannot play a British person. Mm-hmm. I don't care if she has actually played a British person. <laughs> she can't do it. There's yeah. something very fundamentally American about her. Agreed. And presumably they were going to cast. And I'm like, I don't even know who who out of those people plays those roles. Right. You know? No, because I was trying to because think. Because neither Paul Bettany, like Jude Law is neither oblique enough to play Charles Ryder, nor is he delicate enough to play Sebastian. Like, I feel like it had to be Paul Bettany for Sebastian. But... I agree. But then Jude Law is too attractive. Like, Matthew Good is already too attractive to he, play this role. He is, yeah. And I mean, it works for him because he doesn't have a chin. Like uh-huh. there's, he's got a very like Sam the Eagle thing going on. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Okay. Anyway, this let's, is all window dressing. Let's yeah. get to the meat of it. Yeah. And so, revisit all these themes as we go. At Brideshead. <laughs> so Charles Ryder walks up to a fountain voiceovering about how he feels guilty. Yeah. I sort of, and one thing, look, we didn't pay for this movie. And as a result, we did not have subtitles for this movie, which was unfortunate. We're kind of used to it. And there was a lot of English mumbling, mumbling. It was very mumblecore. Yeah. So, you know, we did our best. It's fine. Anyway, title card, Brideshead Revisited. At this point, we're still optimistic. Yeah. This is you all know, good. a dramatic, you know, voiceover. This is the frame narrative from the book. Exactly. How badly can they screw it up? <laughs> Let's dive in, shall we? Let's. So in the past, it's 10 years ago. No, in the, nah, yes, in the past, but not 10 years earlier. Right. In the more recent past. Yeah, in the unspecified past. Matthew Good, who I guess we only call Matthew Good, <laughs> uh, gets a much needed shave. And I've never seen him with a beard before. No, no. And ladies, I like it. <laughs> Cool. It was weird. He, he tells his barber he was in the jungle, and I was like, is that a metaphor? <laughs> it is not a metaphor. It's not, no. He was actually in the jungle doing paintings. Right. So he's at an exhibition, and people talk about how his paintings are very popular. And people talk to him about his paintings, but he doesn't care. And then his like sister or somebody. Which uh, I, I've we later, figured I know, out, but yeah. I thought it was funny that you thought it was his sister. <laughs> uh, it's actually his wife. Yeah. Uh, tells him to make an effort. Although that's a telling insight into their relationship. Yes. Uh, but then he sees a meaningful lady and chases her through various doors and there's jazz, sort of. Yeah, it's like weak sauce jazz. Yeah. But. And Charles keeps following the meaningful lady and then in a the hallway, she finally turns and says, hey, and it's Haley Atwell, mm-hmm. who, like, you know, we've read the book. We know that this is Julia Flight. Yeah. The lady Julia Flight. <laughs> uh, and then we get the card 10 years earlier. Right. So. Ten years earlier, uh, montage, packing, polishing shoes, organizing various things, a lot of shoe polishing in this montage, disproportionate. And then we see uh, Charles's father, who is eating a disgusting-looking soup, uh, but hey. It clearly bothered you more than it bothered me. <laughs> yeah, it looked bad to me. Uh, he says that he seems to have forgotten that uh, Charles, his son, was heading off to Oxford that day. Uh, says that he supposes he should give him some advice, but he can't really think of any. And his mother was better at giving advice. Right. And then we're all, like, briefly sad and confused. Right. Then he supposes that uh, Cousin Jasper will be giving him advice, which the dad seems to find amusing. Uh, then he gets back to his soup, and Charles heads out. So great father-son dynamic yeah. here. Typical affectionate English relationship here. Oh, I forgot to say what my alternate title for this movie is. Yes. Brides had revisited or how gay was my valley. <laughs> <sighs> oh man. Anyway, that was very amusing to me when I wrote it. Up. <laughs> I hope other people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oxford. 
<laughs> which really does look like a fantastical like i read all of philip pullman's his dark materials uh-huh. and it's set in an alternate universe oxford right and that's exactly what this looks like yeah and i mean i'm pretty sure the alternate universe oxford that he's writing about is like literal actual oxford right and i was like why are all your buildings octagonal <laughs> like, this is crazy yeah it's it's nuts it's a magical wonderland mm-hmm. uh so matthew good is gazing about in wonder there's a lot of hectic bicycle traffic you know people walking places sure uh cousin jasper walks with him and gives him advice on clothes and you know talks about how you know their family doesn't have money but they have pants or something (laughs) (laughs) so in a river there's some you know poof uh (laughs) proclaiming very sexy poetry with a decidedly unsexy mustache (laughs) and uh he begs to differ yeah anyway matthew good is looking down at them and we see sebastian yes in his first shot we know it's sebastian because he's holding my favorite character from the books (laughs) aloysius the teddy bear yeah Uh, does he even get named in this movie he doesn't get named and that's a real look it's saint aloysius like jesus yeah the symbolism is everywhere (laughs) wake up sheeple (laughs) the teddy bear is inside the house (laughs) anyway jasper is very disdainful of these folks he says they're all sodomites and matthew good does not look upset by that in the least he's like "Hmm." he's like you know i've been meaning to try sodomy (laughs) been thinking about it and then in charles's room uh jasper tells me she get different rooms because it's looking right on the lawn where a bunch of people like steal sherry and they get hammered and then somebody leans into his window and vomits on the floor <laughs> yes yeah which is great so we cut to charles cleaning the vomit uh, the when, following day yeah uh when some old guy comes in and is like oh no 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 vomit scrubbing is my job sir uh, and he's also carrying two giant bouquets of flowers. Three, actually. Okay, three. I'm a girl. We notice these things. <laughs> uh, he says that they're from Lord Sebastian Flight from the night before, and they came with a note, which is also gigantic. Uh, and it's a giant note saying, basically, I'm sorry. Uh, come by and visit sometime, basically. Yeah. No, it says to come to luncheon. Okay. You can't drop a luncheon reference. Not on this podcast. <laughs> no, Not on my watch. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Uh, so then we get a close-up of somebody peeling a quail's egg. It's a very small egg. It's a very egg. small egg, so that was my guess. Uh, that person invites Charles in, and it's Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, which we kind of figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, apparently the eggs are plover's eggs. Yes. Uh, which is a bird. It is a bird. It is a, uh, not a, uh, domesticated bird. It is a wild waiting bird, uh, which is now, you're not allowed to sell them commercially anymore in England, apparently. Uh, you can consume them, you can gather them for your own use only up to like April 14th or something. So it's like how you can fly with like up to a pound of medicinal marijuana. <laughs> It's very similar okay, to that. Okay, great. Yes. Um, he gives Charles a plover's egg and says his, you know, mummy sends him plover's eggs from home. And I'm like, you're okay, great. Yeah. Wow. Um, he asks if Charles is terribly angry about the vomiting situation. Charles says no. <laughs> uh, Sebastian moves the teddy bear, Aloysius, to make a seat for Charles. Sebastian asks about Charles and what his deal is. And Charles wants to be an artist. And he's very like clear on that Mm -hmm. and uh sebastian says he doesn't know what he wants to be except for happy and then he pours some champagne yeah and you know they're off on an exciting friendship (laughs) that's right uh so later other people have shown up in the room and one of them is uh making fun of charles for basically because he doesn't know what school charles went Mm -hmm. to he's like what well you didn't go to eaton etton 
Eaton. Eaton. Oh, where did you go? You know, rugby, Harrow, and then they all start laughing and all mm-hmm. these things. And uh, I guess he went to like nothing school. Uh, yeah, it was unclear what happened yeah. in this scene because we didn't have subtitles. Yeah, it was like I went to school in my orphanage or something. I don't know. Um, but then a new guy comes in uh, and kisses Sebastian right on the lips. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, unfortunately, that's the gayest thing that happens. Well, I mean, apart from other, uh, a couple other man on man smooches. Oh, really? When? Well, Sebastian kisses Charles Does later. He? Yeah. When? We'll get to it. Okay. But I assure you it happens. I don't remember that. Oh, it was kind of key. Damn no, I mean, it. yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was like a whole month's worth of orgasms and I missed it. <laughs> We've still got our illegal download. Great. Uh,. Yeah, so the smoocher is named Matthew. He's introduced to everybody. Uh, they say that Charles wants to be an artist, and Matthew's like, no, you don't. You either are an artist. Is it Matthew? I don't know. I wrote that down. I thought it was something different. Oh, you know what? I think it was Anthony. It's Anthony. Right. Like, as in Sweeney Todd. Okay. Which yes. Is, yeah, which I somehow heard as Matthew. Anyway, he says that uh, you either are an artist or you aren't, and Charles says, well, in that case, I am an artist. And they're all like, ho, ho, ho. These people are so annoying. Yeah. I would punch all of them. Well, and then the particularly loudish one. Who is named Boy. Yeah. I forget what his family name is, but he's clearly like, you know, he's like a he's a, like a legacy, like the third something. Mm-hmm. But so they just call him Boy, mm-hmm. you know, like the way that Peekaboo Street's family just called her like baby <laughs> until she was five. I did not know that. Uh, my mom was real upset about it <laughs> during some Olympics. <laughs> like, and then, like, at, like they had to like take her in to get her, like to like enroll in school, and they're like, "We just call her baby," and they're like, "Fuck you, she has got to have a name." And they were like, "Well, she likes playing peekaboo." Good lord! And they were like, "You can't name her baby peekaboo." And they were like, "What if we spelled it this way?" And they're like, uh, "Check." Fine, me. we're tired of talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, we've got a whole bunch of hippies lined up behind you. We need to get this rolling. Anyway, so Boy says he doesn't see why anyone should be an artist or would want to be since, uh, you know, now there's cameras. So what's the point of painting, essentially? And Charles says the cameras capture a moment, but not meanings or emotions. Uh, and uh, painting can do that. And Sebastian is picking up what he's laying oh, down. Oh, he's got an art boner. Yeah, he does. Uh, so Sebastian toasts art and love. Cousin Jasper is making fun of Sebastian to some friends and saying about how he puked in... Uh Matthew Good's room, and right. that Matthew Good will not be hanging out with him anymore. And then here comes Sebastian and Matthew Good on bikes, gay as you please. <laughs> That's right. Sebastian and Charles take a boat ride and hang out under a tree. It's all very Morris up mm-hmm. in here. This book was written in 1945. Okay, I think I thought it was written earlier, which makes no sense, right? Because it is set during World War II in the <laughs> right. frame so narrative. it was either astonishingly precious right <laughs> anyway Sebastian is under the tree and he's very happy uh, and he wants to bury a crock of gold there to dig up when he's older yeah I'm like you should maybe get a different financial advisor I don't know I think maybe when you're rich money doesn't actually have value to you <laughs> yeah but you know you can make it work for you but he tells Charles he wants to take him to meet somebody yes he's like I want to meet with somebody <laughs> I want to go to Brad's head with somebody. Yeah. So they drive along. And let's be clear. This is a good probably 10, 15 seconds of driving shots. Yes. Um, in a pattern that's repeated throughout this movie. Yeah. That's our other big aesthetic problem is like the the shots are like overly beautiful. Yeah. They're like, like Baroque, like yeah. in their composition mm-hmm. and like... 
It's unnecessary. It is. Like, and it is. Like, insofar as this movie was trying to be beautiful, it succeeds at that. It Life just... <laughs> is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it just, you know, it only fails as a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first thing it was supposed to be. <laughs> right. Uh, so they pass the fountain from the very first scene, and Sebastian says that this is where his family lives, but he won't see them uh, because they are away. And then we get a big full shot of it. And look, and this is where this tactic of like a long, like montage beauty shot works because you're like, the house is practically a character. Yeah. Like, not in that it has will or anything, but just, but, like, I mean, it's a huge part of the story. Right, right. And it is, like, it, again, makes Downton Abbey look like a fucking shack. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, y'all think you have it? Pfft, look at these people. Yeah. Like, this is, this makes even, um, oh, what's her name in Peaky Blinders? Lady Mae Carlton. Right. This also makes her house look like a shack. And we said initially that Lady Mae Carlton's <laughs> house made Downton Abbey look like a shack. Like, this Maybe. house is off the chain. Yeah, it is. I feel like we're selling Lady May's house short, but it's been a bit. Well, I mean, in comparison to Brideshead, well, maybe this not. is also the same uh, estate that was used in the original miniseries right. to be so, Brideshead. If so. you've seen the miniseries, you can uh, Which, judge for though, yourself. Which, though, I feel like if that's the choice you're making in pr- like pre-production, you need to like sit down and have a hard look at your life and be like, <laughs> wait a minute. Do we need to make this movie? <laughs> right. That was really the question that needed to be asked. Yeah, but nobody asked it at any point. Yeah. Because there's a good movie to be made. We- <laughs> in agreed. the same way, because I love the 2005 Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. When I don't have an entire day right. to devote to Colin Firth being wet, yeah. like, yeah, no, I it's... love that one. Mm-hmm. I think Keira Knightley is an excellent actress. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenna Malone is fine, <laughs> but like, it's a fun, it's a fun adaptation. It's yeah. quick. It's, it's sharp. Quick. It, it does some clever it's things. It's got Judy Dench in it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good time. Yeah. But this was not a good time. No. This was, you know, I like to think of, you know, Pride and Prejudice, the movie, is sort of like, you know, the fast food of adaptations. <laughs> right. And this is like the subway. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're like, I thought this was meat, but actually, is it? This isn't even a foot long. Like, I think they don't even, like, that bread smell isn't even this bread. <laughs> That's right. They just piped that in from yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Anyway, Charles, quite impressed by this house, as well he should be. Uh, Sebastian takes him in through the servant's entrance, entrance past various halls and statues. Another motif in this movie, 500 fucking halls. Like, everybody's always walking yeah. up and down a hall. This should be called Hallway Revisited. <laughs> that's right. So he takes him to an old lady that's in a room. Sebastian introduces her as Nanny. Uh, we did eventually confirm. She is his actual nanny. His actual nanny. Not his grandmother. I guess yeah. if it was his grandmother, he might call her Nan. Unless that's well, a very middle class. He'd call her Granny. Well, except she would also have a title if she was his grandmother. I of guess some that's sort. true. Yeah. Anyway, moot point because it was his nanny. Yeah. Uh, and she tells Sebastian that his family is on their way. So he's like, we got to boogie y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he heads out. Uh, Nanny drops a rosary on the ground, and Charles is like, whoa. Yeah. Like, he's he's more... This is more interesting to him than the sodomites were earlier on. Like, that's... <laughs> it was like, rosary, whoa. Uh, Sebastian uh, is trying to hustle Charles well, out of there. Well, but he also there. picks up the rosary and gives it... Like, he's yeah. much kinder to oh. Nanny than Sebastian is. Yes, that is true. Um, so Sebastian is trying to hurry Charles along, but Charles insists that he get a quick look at, you know, all the cool shit that's in this house. Uh, so Sebastian uncovers some statues and opens up some shutters or whatever to shine light on some paintings, uh, including one of the Holy Family. Uh, and then he's like, well, I'll take you to the chapel. 
So he does, uh, Sebastian genuflects, and Charles does as well. And Sebastian is like, why did he do that? Charles is like, uh, I guess to fit in, I suppose. And Sebastian says, well, don't. Honestly, that's a very Catholic thing to do. Yeah. Because like, if we would bring ever a non-Catholic friend of mine to church, I'd be like, listen up. <laughs> We're going to go to communion. You are not Catholic, so you cannot go. My mom will literally have a fit. Mm-hmm. And that was true. My no. mom would have a fit. Well, it's true. And I mean... You my know- grandparents would be mad. Like, some of their children were like married out of the church and stuff like that. And they would go to communion like on holidays and stuff. And my Mm. grandfather would like be fuming. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my family wasn't as into it like that, but I knew that, you know, every Christmas the priest would always announce, by the way, some of you may not realize if you're just here with a family member, like, sorry. Yeah. It's invite only. That's right. You're not coming to Jesus's party. Like, I don't see you on the list, buddy. Yeah. Um, anyway, I appreciated that. <laughs> so outside, their car won't start, but the family's coming. Oh, no. There's no time. <laughs> they do get it started and pass the arriving family, and a pretty woman <laughs> looks at them. Sebastian says it's his sister and says that Charles is very inquisitive about his family. And Charles is like, hey, I have literally never asked you anything before, and why can't I just meet your family? Yeah. And then Sebastian says that Charles is his friend, not his family's friend, and puts his arm around him. And I'm like, well, this is going to go well. (laughs) Yeah. Charles arrives home, and his father is, like, inspecting a vase or something like that. And he uh, is surprised that the term is over already. I'm also surprised. (laughs) Because they were on campus for, like, a day. Yeah. And Charles never went to any classes. Right. Although I had the impression that that's a bit of an Oxford-Cambridge thing, that surprisingly few classes involved. Well, you do have, like, your tutor and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, it's I think it is more Mm -hmm. self-directed. Incidentally, anybody who has studied at Oxbridge... Uh, if you're out there, we would love to know about your experience. We'd yeah, love absolutely. to hear your story. We would. Absolutely. Uh, Although, and I think too, I think it's, even that said, I think it's, I would venture to guess that in the 20s, it was a whole different story. That's true. Story. Uh, if anybody went to Cambridge or Oxford in the 20s, <laughs> we want to hear your story. We do. Especially. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. Uh, and better hurry because you're clearly very old. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, sometime later, Charles gets a telegram from Sebastian saying that he was in an accident. Uh, his dad is very weird about it. Well, he's like, I clearly wasn't in that bad of an accident since he sent the telegram himself and yeah. all this sort of thing. But uh, he lets him go. He will continue the chess game that they were in the middle of by himself. Weirdo. He is very strange. A train pulls into a station and Julia, the pretty <laughs> woman from before is there to pick him up i'm not trying to woman shame here but she's got a really unfortunate haircut she has a really unfortunate haircut and as we will get into her costuming is just abominable throughout like she must have killed the costumer's dog (laughs) like that's how poorly she's dressed in this yeah like we've never seen costuming this bad because even on like downton abbey like sometimes we won't like an individual outfit Mm -hmm. but you can kind of understand why it's in that character's wardrobe. Right. Or even if it's just one outfit we don't like, it's just one outfit. It's never like everything no, a character is every wears. every single outfit is so bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, they kind of deliberately uggoed Lady Edith in the first series. Oh, that's true. But that was more of a hair choice, I think, than yeah. a dress choice. Yeah. At any rate, Julia's picked him up. Um, there are shots of her glove and the cross that she wears. Yeah. So guess what? Being Catholic is super important to these weirdos. Yes. Um, Charles asks after Sebastian and Julia says he just cracked his foot. Uh, but 
Charles is glad anyway because their house is beautiful and he wants to go, you know, hang out in it. And Julia says she can't stand it. Yeah. So typical poor little rich girl. Yep. It's like, shut up, lady. Actually, that is her whole thing through this. Like, Sebastian actually has an interesting arc. He does, But all Julia is is a basic suburban bitch. Yeah. She said, like, she and Sebastian both say they hate that house. One of them goes off and lives in Morocco. Yeah. So, you know. And it's not Julia. It's not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so in the house, Sebastian greets Charles from his wheelchair and asks Julia to send for champagne, which Julia claims to hate. Like, nobody hates champagne. Nobody does. No, seriously. Especially alcoholic. <laughs> right. Um, you can hate alcohol in general, but not champagne specifically. No, champagne is delightful. It's it the Kool-Aid of alcohol. It is. Discounting Boone's Farms, of course. <laughs> right, sure. Uh, so then over champagne and peaches, they, uh, they discuss religion. They have millions of peaches, <laughs> peaches for me, millions of peaches, peaches for free. Look out! <laughs> they do. They have a giant pile of them. They do. Uh, Charles says that he is, uh, nominally C of E, but is not really, uh, practicing anymore. And he's, in fact, uh, well, I don't, I don't remember whether he says he's an atheist here, but he is more explicit later on. Much is made of it that he's an atheist. Yeah. Which is, when I thought this was written earlier, I thought it was really remarkable, but it is still pretty remarkable at the time that it was written because it was, you know, a little bit before the French existentialists would have become in vogue, you know? Yeah. So it was pretty bold to have this protagonist. Yeah. Although I don't even know. And it's hard to say if we're skewed by being in America, too. That's true. But what I'd say is, you know, what on the on the plus side for this movie is that it's a movie that's about religion and takes the religious beliefs of its characters seriously without having a point of view right there's right. no indication that charles Ryder is necessarily more correct than the flight slash march mains right like yeah like it's yeah it's, and it earns it earns the viewpoints that it has by the end right right so we'll give it that yeah but but that's about it but <laughs> Uh, anyway, Sebastian and Julia say that their mother is a serious Catholic, uh, and Julia says that they, the two of them are heathens, uh, but Sebastian says he's not a heathen, he's a sinner. Which, uh, I, I see what you're saying. Well, he is off getting his MB gay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got gay puns for days, people. <laughs> uh, Julia kisses Sebastian and then leaves, uh, on her way out, throwing Sebastian's teddy bear Aloysius. off of his wheelchair. Okay, and like for context, everybody, my home parish when I was a child was St. Aloysius. Yeah. So I get very excited when there is a major literary, you know, allusion to that (laughs) and then to just ignore it. Not cool, Gerald. Uh, so we get a whole gay montage. And this this montage is essentially their relationship. This is what we get This is a real bummer because there's a lot more talking and like a lot more sniping and a lot more of them being in love with each other in yeah. the book. Like this was made in 2008. You could have really gated up. Yeah. And like I don't know to what extent either of these characters would have necessarily like had actual sex mm-hmm. with anybody. Mm-hmm. But like... If you're going to have this, like, mouth-on-mouth kiss be one of the 
early establishing shots of this character, mm-hmm. then treat that relationship with more respect. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous because we don't spend very much time on it. And then we spend the rest of the movie with Charles hung up on Julia. Right. Which is part of the story. And yeah. what to me, I think makes this one of the more compelling love triangles in literature mm-hmm. is that there is this like weird intersection of like family and religion and, uh, orientation. Right. Yeah. And we don't get that. It's all dispensed with in this montage. They're drinking and painting and drawing. They're playing chess naked. Uh, and this is great because, uh, very, you know, we see them playing chess and Charles mates very quickly mm-hmm. and Sebastian just knocks over all the pieces, which is exactly what I do whenever Tom beats me at chess. It's true. So we are like, <laughs> further confirming that we're actually two gay men. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in the evening, uh, Sebastian brings a bunch of wine for Charles to taste. And they have like 15 <laughs> bottles already. And I'm like, yeah. what are y'all doing? They're getting hammered. Uh, they talk about the wine for a bit. And then Sebastian kisses Charles. Now I'm remembering yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. And this, I mean, you know, it's a shame that this is all we get of it. But I really, I did enjoy this moment because Sebastian kisses Charles. And then they both kind of just sit there with this fact for a minute and kind of just let it fade away and it's i i don't know it feels organic yeah let it play out like that because it's like well what are we gonna do dude yeah like you know there was no gay marriage right and because charles well and this was you know not that long after oscar wilde died Mm -hmm. for being gay essentially yeah so they would have known that yeah i mean and, and it's still you know I mean, the book was written still before Alan Turing died for being gay. So anyway, uh, it's a big deal Mm -hmm. if they do this. Right. And it was, and it was interesting, you know, because it was like Charles is like the, the, this unspoken thing is Charles is clearly like, I don't regret what just happened, but he's like, I don't. What I do love about Matthew Good's portrayal, and we were talking about it when we were watching, he's very Nick Carraway, Mm -hmm. the way we wish Nick Carraway had been in the Great Gatsby movie. Right. uh, I.e. not Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked what Tobey Maguire brought to it, but this is... Well, but also that's a Baz Luhrmann thing. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was... Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the Great Gatsby needs a British director. Like, I know Mm. that Baz Luhrmann's from Australia, but he's so, like, cracked out. Yeah. Well, Australia isn't Britain. I mean, it's... No, exactly. But, like, yeah, I don't know. No, that's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. Anyway. um, So, but he's so passive. And Mm -hmm. he's, again, ostensibly our protagonist. But when your protagonist doesn't take any action, are they really the protagonist? Yeah. Like, I don't know if there's a literary term about that. I don't want to go to grad school. (laughs) But there is this thing with him where it's like, this is all just happening to him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he does take some decisive action later, right. which colors the character and makes it more interesting. But it's like... But still, I mean... He's the most boring part of this movie. Yeah. One, it is, it is his character. I mean, even, you know, he seems to marry Celia later just sort of by accident, you know? Yeah. Which, and that's not... Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll complain about that later. <laughs> sure. Uh, so we see Sebastian and Charles swimming naked in the fountain. And uh, a car pulls up, and the servants all come out to greet the car. Uh, and it is Sebastian's brother and mother. Sebastian, not thrilled. Uh, so as they are drying off their naked bodies, Julia comes up behind them, gets a good eyeful. This is really the best nudity that we get. No dong. No. No dong. 
just, you know, if you're in film school right now, just advocate for dong. <laughs> if you're in the film industry, we need dongs on screen. Yeah. Like, I think it's good for both genders, you know? I... And I think we got to get erect penises on screen. Well, like, what's wrong with that? I look as long as it's not going inside of a person, right? Uh, well, uh, Gaspar Noé or whatever his name is, weird French director, has a super sexually explicit movie coming out. Oh, terrific! Well, we'll go see that. <laughs> yeah, although you know, I'm just saying, y'all been looking at boobies forever, right? Which, to be fair, no boobies in this movie. No, no boobies in this movie. Right. But there's also nobody whose boobies I would want to see. Well. Like, I feel like Haley Atwell's boobs are just like, you know, out to lunch signs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to be a Warner Brothers cartoon for the second there. But- <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was the best I could come up with. No, but I, I appreciate it. Like, no, and I know a lot of you who listen to this podcast love Agent Carter. Like, is she good in that? Like, she's just so boring in this role. She's really boring. She's really boring. And if she was less boring, then Emma Thompson just by proxy would have been more interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'll say again, I really think that these are directorial choices. I agree. And I think actually the more that I think about it, the editing is so bad. Nah. The editing is so inert is the word that I use to describe this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's no air and it's just boring. It just plods from plot point to plot point. Yeah. As we will do also (laughs) in this podcast. Sure. Uh, So anyway, Julia says after looking at the butts, uh, she says that mother is Well, I mean, Matthew Good's butt. Well, right. No, to be clear. Who cares about her brother's butt? Right. Uh, and she says that the mother has invited Charles to dinner. Which, also, this montage, how long has it been? Right. Like, how long has he been there? Yeah, this movie doesn't do a great job with the passage of time. No, because it's like, it seems like, did they do all that gay shit in one day? That is a lot of gay shit to pack into one day. Yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible. But it, it seems sketchy. It seems very difficult to do. Well, it had to be at least two days because the pre when they kissed was the right. evening. Right, yeah. Yeah. At any rate, so he's been there for an indeterminate amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before dinner, Charles is like snooping around and sees Sebastian talking with his mother and they're having like a very heated conversation about something. Yeah. And Julia interrupts him and she's like, the dining room is this way. Snoopy McSnoop Snoop. <laughs> yeah. And she says that Sebastian and his mother often have these little talks. And I'm like, this seems like a bad helicopter parenting situation. It does. And it is. Uh, so, the mom arrives at dinner and Sebastian's brother, Prince. Bridie. Yes. AKA Sir Hallam, AKA the best part of this movie. Mm-hmm. I just call him brother, but. That's fine. I'll call him Bridie because I can think of things. Good. He, uh, prays in Latin and then mom welcomes Charles, says that he can borrow clothes from either Sebastian or the brother, you know, whichever, like, fits him. Oh, they ask, are you a Sebastian or a Bridie? And I'm like, this family is weird. Yeah. Well, I guess they wanted to know if he was gay. Um, I guess. Yeah. That, uh, that's the other thing is like. He's like, I think Sebastian and Bridie are just like points on a spectrum. <laughs> but it's like, it's so hard to explain this because it's not like it's ever explicitly gay in the book. But right. it's very clear what's going on and that these little talks are like about how Sebastian is gay. Mm-hmm. But the movie fails to really connect those dots in a meaningful way. Yeah, well, it's like it thinks it is at various times. I can, you know, point to various things, but it's just, there's just something missing. Soul? Yeah. Anyway, uh, younger sister chimes in to make fun of her, her brother's clothes. Her name, I believe, clothes. is 
Cecilia? It might be. I think his wife's name is Celia and then her name is Cecilia, which is very confusing. St. Cecilia, of course, patron saint of music. (laughs) I don't remember what St. Aloysius is the patron saint of. I know. Rough. It's been really sad and I had to confess that to everybody. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yeah. St. Genesius is the patron saint of comedians and actors. Waka waka. I I was in a Catholic University drama club. I'm aware. (laughs) (laughs) The cast chose their own patron saint, Shaka Khan. I don't know why. I don't blame them. Oh, sure. She's every woman. That's why. Yeah. Uh, Brother says that he tried to get drunk once but didn't enjoy it. So we see what kind of humorless prick he is. (laughs) Except he's so funny. Oh, yeah. He's very funny as a performer. Uh Julia asks what he does enjoy, and he's like, oh, you know, hunting, shooting, fishing. Mom asks what Charles's hobbies are. Sebastian says that his hobbies are drinking, and the mother's like, that is not a hobby. Uh, Charles (laughs) says painting. (laughs) He says painting, so mom requests a painting, and he volunteers to paint Bride's Head because he's got a huge architectural boner for it. Mom decides that uh, Charles will stay for the term, and Sebastian says that in that case, he has been invited to go to Venice, as has Julia, now that Mom is there, um, to... I, I missed it, but this is to be with their father. Yes. Um, Mom asks Julia if she would rather stay in Brideshead instead, and there is a tense pause, and she says, well, yes, if you want me to. And it's like, hmm, this is an awkward family dinner. A mom says that they're going to the chapel after dinner, and Charles will join them out of curiosity. So here's a crazy thought, okay? Because yes. I'm thinking about this. Like, the family relationships are the centerpiece of this. Mm-hmm. So what if you just dispense with the frame narrative mm-hmm. completely? Well, particularly, I feel like, and we were talking about this, and I don't even really remember, but I feel like so much more happens after the point in time of the frame narrative like in the book. Yeah, a like, lot happened. Yeah. And so if you're going to cut out all that stuff, why not just take the last step? Yeah. And like, why in that case, like the book is I from, mean, the only the, thing the I'll book say is, is from Charles's perspective, but a film is unencumbered by that need. Right. I can only think that, uh, without the frame narrative, Brideshead never actually gets revisited, right. but. Well, I would <laughs> say he does revisit it later. Yeah. When he and Julia are together. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this wound up in my situation. Uh, on the way to the chapel, the younger sister asks if Charles is really an atheist. And she says that she'll put him on her prayer list. <laughs> yeah. Which is the appropriate response for any devout practitioner of religion. Yeah. Especially a teenager. Yeah. Charles watches them all pray and they all sing to a statue of Mary. And I'm like, what are we at a Catholic wedding? <laughs> No, and it is interesting, like, this scene, like, just to see how kind of weird and creepy it looks from his... Because they're all praying and singing in Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all stand up and gather around the statue, singing to it in a foreign tongue. And you can see how, you know, weird it looks. No, because I remember when I went to college, everybody was so creeped out by the fact that I was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is just normal. Right. And they were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess it's creepy, but I just find it comforting. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's creepy. I could just see, you know, they, yeah, they, like they show it through his definitely eyes. definitely could. Yeah. Uh, so outside the chapel, the mom, who is Emma Thompson, did we yeah. get into this? I mean, I we talked th- about it before, but right, it's Emma Thompson. To be clear, yeah. With gray hair, which I've never seen her with. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, she asks Charles if he's ever been to Venice, and, uh, she says he ought to see it someday and suggests he could go to keep an eye on Sebastian. 
because right uh yeah isn't that a bit like having the fox watch the hen house <laughs> like it's a recurring theme it's like yeah. but sebastian has a huge boner for him so yeah although i guess you can sort of see the Ma- machiavellian logic if she thinks that charles isn't going to respond in that way then yeah. keeping him around maybe sebastian wouldn't want to go chasing somebody else because an italian for example <laughs> right we all know how they are. Oh, we've heard. And yet we keep going to Italy, England. Yeah. Y'all need to get over it. Yeah. We see all of your literature <laughs> and your movies. Mm-hmm. You love Italy. Italy is like England's Burning Man. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, 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 it was so droll. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a real Burning Man scene a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Venice. Ah, Venice. Ah, city of a thousand canals. Yeah. Uh, so Sebastian, Charles, and Julia are riding around in a boat, so Julia did wind up going, checking out cathedrals. And then Sebastian runs up to their father in some garden and introduces Charles. And then uh, Kara, who is his dad's mistress, is like, hey, she's on the balcony. She's re- she's my other favorite character. My she two is. favorite characters in this adaptation are absolutely Bridie and Kara. Yeah. Which, you know, again, not a great sign. Yeah. No. Uh, so Julia comes up to Charles, who is looking at the canal, and he says he didn't think that she would come. And she says that her dad only wants to see Sebastian, who is like him. Right. But she's not like her mother or her father. She's not like anyone. She's the family shadow. And I'm like, well, maybe you should lay off the sandwiches. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's mostly the haircut. It's mostly the haircut. The haircut makes her look like she weighs a thousand pounds. <laughs> Yeah. Also, if you're the family shadow, maybe you should try being interesting. Ooh, good call. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're summoned in for drinks. Uh, Kara says that she's going to show Charles all of the art. Uh, Dad complains about how it's all religious and he... They stick Jesus in everything. <laughs> right. Then Julia snaps at him for uh, walking away from his family. And I'm like, this is inappropriate. Like, yeah. I mean, he's clearly been here for a while. Like, right. they it's have not a like house. This just happened. I don't. I don't know. Well, I guess I'm I looking at this from a very pomo point of view, where like yeah. everybody's parents are divorced, <laughs> right? But I'm like, you need to get over it. Yeah. Despite neither of us having ever dealt with that. That's but, true. But right. still, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You can't, uh, I don't know what it's like to be a child. I, okay, I kind of do because I had a friend in high school who was and like it was really bad. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like your parents don't even seem like they like each other. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a Let's separate topic. Let's not get into this moral quagmire. Because, uh, dad, who's sitting between Sebastian and Julie, asks Charles what he thinks of Brideshead. And Charles, of course, loves it. And says that, well, now Charles is in Venice with temptations, he says, as he leans back and puts his arm around his two children. So is he like their pimp? Yeah. He's like, ah, yeah, pick either one of my children. It's Venice. Like, It's not the kind of conversation you want to have with a friend's dad. No. You know? Like, you could have cracked some dad jokes. (laughs) Right. You could have tried to, like, show us some, like, weird thing that you like. Don't you have any thoughts about the latest cricket matches or something? Right. Or, like, whatever they do in Venice. Right. uh, Canal polo. (laughs) Sure. Like, yeah, Weird. (laughs) Um, they're all at the beach mm-hmm. and Kara tells Charles how much Sebastian's mom sucks. <laughs> she says Catholicism is way more chill in Italy. And we're like, yeah, man, that sounds great. Yeah. Cause we were not raised chill. No. We no. were raised extremely like dogmatically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she points out that Sebastian, uh, is in love with Charles and it's more than a friendship. And she's like, you know, these romantic English 
friendships between men. Uh, for you, I think it is a phase, mm-hmm. but for him, I think it is much deeper. And this is why she's my favorite character. Like, yeah. she's the only person who says anything perceptive. And it's not just that she's written that way. The character really sells it. She's like, ugh. Yeah. She's like, I've seen this before. Yeah. And well. Well, and you can kind of see it too. I mean, in this, you know, they're all in such single sex societies that when they come mm-hmm. to want to, you know, express feelings of love and intimacy, there's only other dudes around, whether yeah. you're straight or not. So then Sebastian comes by and they all frolic in the surf and Kara just watches them because she is dope and doesn't need to involve herself in their quotidian problems. (laughs) At night, Charles sees Julia hanging out wistfully and heading back inside. So he moves to intercept her in the hallway and they say some things that I didn't care much about. Uh, And then Sebastian comes up all drunk and uh, drags Charles away as Julia portentously closes the door. Well, and it's not just that he's, it's very possessive and like flirtatious. Yeah. And it's very, well, and you know, he said earlier, he's like, you're my friend, not my family. Right. right. And like, that's, I'm going to say any youngins who are listening to this, that's always a bad sign. Like if somebody like wants to keep you away from their family, like whether they're a friend or a romantic person, but like you keep like traveling on their family's dime and stuff, like it's not going to work out. Like it's a bad situation. Well, it's more if they don't want you to meet their family because they just don't think you'll like them. That's one thing. But if, if they're worried that the family will steal you somehow. Yeah, that's that's, weird. Yeah, that's that's not good. Not healthy. Yeah. So there's a big Venice party going on. It reminded me actually of the Feast of Fools mm-hmm. in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right, yeah. So something like that. Something because there's like a fake pope. There's all this thing going on. Yeah. Carnivali. So Charles and the family are all wandering around in it. And Charles is chasing Julia as always. And she like gets sort of like dragged away and across a different bridge and he finally tracks her down in this weird tunnel yeah and i hated how this was shot because there was all this water reflecting on them and it was just like i couldn't tell what was happening yeah anyway um they kiss each other and sebastian who was chasing charles right sees them from across the canal and julia walks away but charles grabs her again and continues the kissing yep until she walks away again Charles goes after her and then he sees that Sebastian saw them, mm-hmm. but then keeps chasing Julia. And then she winds up in a church with dad and Kara and Kara's like, huh? Yeah. Or Charles is somebody says that. Yeah. Charles okay. is he's, he's like, Oh, you're in church now. I guess that's probably it for the kissing then. eh? <laughs> so Sebastian walks up next to him looking very sad. And Charles says like, Hey, like, bleh. right. And Sebastian puts his finger on his mouth and then walks off down a conveniently placed hallway. Yeah. This was where it really this started. This was the to get real hallway heavy portion. <laughs> well, because especially in this shot, because it looked like they were just in this little chapel that would just have a normal doorway coming out of it. And then it cuts to him walking away and it's like, God damn it. Another hallway. Another suitcase in another hall. <laughs> so cut back to Charles at home. His dad beats him at chess, uh, then suddenly realizes that Charles is bored. And he's like, oh, by the way, that friend with the telegram, did he die or whatever? And Charles is like, no. And his dad's like, oh, what a relief. It's weird. Yeah. At Oxford, so the term has started again, mm-hmm. Sebastian is drunkenly shoving through some louts. Charles uh, runs up to him, and uh, Sebastian is looking for some guy and drinking out of a flask. He's so drunk, he looks like he has some sort of, like, infirmity. Yeah, like, he's really drunk. Like, I don't even think in life I've seen many people that drunk. I don't think I've ever been that drunk. Mm-hmm. And I've been pretty <laughs> drunk. 
Sebastian says that his mom is on campus and wants to talk to Charles, and he's not sure he wants to see Charles anymore. And also his mom has this priest tailing him. And this is a relationship that also gets short shrift because his yeah. mom has a weird relationship with this priest that like she has on retainer. Mm-hmm. But we don't get into that right. in the way that we do in the book because it's this really weird codependent like toady thing going on. But here it's like it's you know it's like the first Harry Potter movie where like he just had to put everything in, yeah, yeah. so that people wouldn't be mad, <laughs> right? So Charles enters a dining hall, sees mom, and they discuss Venice a little bit. She says she wants him to keep Sebastian from getting so damn drunk all the time. Uh, and she asks if something happened in Venice, and he says no. It's her fault something happened in Venice. I just thought of that. Yeah. But, like, she knew that Sebastian was in love with him. Right. Like, she, she did. knows she's, her own she's son. She's clear about that and, later. like, she thought that somehow she could shock him out of it. Mm. Maybe she let Julia go because she knew, like, a thing would happen. Maybe. But, like, it's your fault, lady. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to fucking let this kid go to Venice with your kid. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is all, you know, she's as much the villain of the piece as anybody. Yeah. So. Although it's hard to tell in this adaptation. Well, yeah. This is such a bland adaptation. It reminds me of that Mr. Show sketch. That's like a takeoff of the Lawrence Welk show where they're like, going on a holiday, (laughs) going on a holiday. (laughs) Yes. To Brideshead. Anyway, mom tells Charles that Julia's future is not a matter of choice, but of faith. She is going to marry a Catholic. And Charles is like, what now? My mom said that once, and she was wrong. <laughs> well, you were a Catholic, but then we were like, we're not anymore. Yeah, that's true. We tricked him. <laughs> <laughs> she then asks Charles to accompany Sebastian to an upcoming ball on the occasion of Julia's 21st birthday and says that it, it is Charles's responsibility to the family. See, this is why you can't take things from rich people, because mm-hmm. they will make you do annoying crap you don't want to do. Right. And you are like, oh, but you did send me to Venice. Yeah. So. Right. She asked Charles what his purpose could be in life, given that he doesn't have faith. And Charles says that he wants to look back and say that he was alive and that he was happy. And mom says that happiness in life doesn't matter. This perhaps is the root of all of your family's problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just saying. Brideshead. Woo. There's a hunt going on, and Charles sees a jeweled turtle walking in a hall, and a quote-unquote American yeah. comes up to him and says some stuff about having to fit in and all these things. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's got his American accent to keep him warm, mother. Yeah. But also, he's Canadian. Yeah. We had forgotten that point. Right. But nonetheless, it's atrocious. Yeah. It's a real bad They accent. spent all their money on Emma Thompson and Michael Gambon, and they couldn't get even a cut-rate American for this role. Yeah. Like, like come on. Yeah. It's an embarrassing accent. Charles puts on a record in Sebastian's room, and Sebastian's in the bath, and Charles comes in, sits on the rim, and they light up cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? Lena Dunham got a lot of flack in Girls for, like, her, you know, girlfriend coming in and hanging out, and, like, they were, like, eating cupcakes in the bathroom. Uh-huh. But I wish that was real yeah. now. Because yeah. clearly, like, they spend a lot of time around each other naked. They do, yeah. I wish I could hang out naked with my friends of the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. Or even the same gender. Yeah. Either way. I'm sorry. I meant the same Yeah, gender. I was going to say. Look, I'm just saying, I'm already married to you. Like, let's just be naked. <laughs> All right. Well, end Hold of podcast. Hold on, everybody. We're off to become nudists. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian wistfully touches Charles's hand, and then Charles gets Sebastian a towel, and he... Uh, 
So Sebastian, played by a guy named Ben Wishaw. 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 Yeah, he's been in other things. Um, IMDb says he's like one of the best actors of his generation, and I disagree. Well, because his publicist he only wrote made that. What do you want? Two faces in this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Although one that's where again, he was happy, and one where he was sad. Yeah. Well, although again, I feel like that's the partially the result of their, you know, pre-Venice relationship getting such short shrift. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's fair. At any rate, uh, Charles says Sebastian is shaking, and Sebastian says, it's not you, it's me. And he asks Charles not to moon at him, and he says he's fine as long as he's got booze. Charles reminds him that he's on Sebastian's side and not his mom's, and we're like, are you? Yeah. Skeptical. Mm -hmm. Sebastian tells him that Charles is not in anybody's gang, and that's always been the problem, which I appreciate. I'm a bit of a flitter myself. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Charles asks why Sebastian is going on the hunt because he hates hunting, but he says he's going to skip out to the pub as soon as he can since they treat him like a dipsomaniac anyway, which full marks for using the word dipsomaniac. Yeah. Uh, less marks for really being a legit dipsomaniac. Oh, yeah. Why well, was more giving that to eyeliner? Oh, uh, well, fair enough. Uh, Charles, uh, Sebastian says that his family have stopped his bank account so he can't drink anymore and he's pawned his watch and cigarette case but now he's out of money. Mm-hmm. Charles doesn't want to give him any money uh, but, and then asks if he can come with Sebastian and they can get drunk like they used to but Sebastian says he's past all that and again wants to know if he's with him or against him. Yeah. He's like uh, I know you ain't gonna you know date me anymore. But you so. know what? That's like a totally fair thing to say. Mm-hmm. If you want to date a person and they're like, I don't want to date you, and then you're like, Well, I really don't want you in my life anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. should you become a dipsomaniac? Probably not. Probably not. But it's a choice that he's made, and <laughs> I respect his rights as a gay Briton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Charles, guess what? Walks down a hall. <laughs> <laughs> he sees Julia getting dressed by mom and again, just stopping at a random doorway and peering through it like a creepy weirdo. <laughs> he is a creepy weirdo. Well, that's true. Uh, Julia- He's even creepier in the book. <laughs> yeah. Julia sees him creeping and like inhales dramatically and then mom sees him and Charles is like, perhaps I will leave now. Julia is applauded uh, as she walks into her ball, even though she looks like complete shit. Yeah. This is okay, she's still awful. got the terrible haircut. Her yeah. tiara is legit crooked. It is. And her dress. Her dress is This awful. is the worst dress, even though there are a bunch of really bad dresses. Yeah. This one is like a white dress that's printed with a bunch of like flying bird silhouettes. I guess so. But it, it is the worst it's thing awful. I've ever seen. It's really bad. And she wears another real bad dress later. Yeah, but this but one this is, is worse. this is the worst. Yeah. This is a joke of a dress. So then uh, mom announces that Julia is not only turning 21, she's engaged to Rex, the American, later Canadian. Yeah. Uh, jazz. <laughs> Julia's dancing with Rex. Charles is dancing with the younger sister until she cuts in with Rex, leaving Charles and Julia to dance and British at each other about (laughs) how they kissed. And Julia's just like, deal with it. Uh, Charles is all hurt because they aren't engaged. Because I guess kissing somebody was like a, you know, a pre-engagement ring. Apparently. Julia says that she thinks about their kiss all the time, but she has no choice and then walks off. Rex is like, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Sebastian goes up to Charles, who is drinking, and goes to kiss him. And Charles is like, don't, dude, seriously. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian drops his glass, and then Bridie comes to take Sebastian away. Sebastian announces that he hates everyone and tells Charles that he never was his friend. He only wanted to sleep with his sister and leaves. Yeah. He didn't even have a mic to drop. No, but yeah. 
So there's, was. A, there's an awkward pause, and then mom strikes the band up, and everybody's <laughs> like, okay, thank God. Yeah. Which, again, another good example of where, uh, hey, band, you really should have kept going. Mm-hmm. Fewer people would have heard the family's embarrassment. That's true. Like, you had one job. <laughs> it was jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Charles is drinking in a corner, and Mom walks up to him and asks if he gave Sebastian money. Charles says that he did. Mom says that that was wantonly cruel of him. To whom? Uh, she feels it was cruel to Sebastian. I know, but, but that's not what she means. Right. Charles asks if she thinks it's better to make Sebastian feel like a criminal and that she is the reason that Sebastian drinks, which is certainly true. Uh, Mom says that Charles just wanted Sebastian to like him. That's all. And she thinks that he should leave. Uh, he walks off and the other siblings are all in a... No, and not just... Like, the whole party has watched this go down. Yeah, and I'm like... tableau here. And it's... Do you not have an office, Mom? Like, where <laughs> right. you can have these confrontations? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Charles drives off. Four years later, Ba-ba. Charles is drawing a naked lady in, in an, an art class. Yeah, so not it's respectable. Just, right. Uh, later, as he's hanging a painting, a woman walks up and introduces herself as Celia. But we know <laughs> she is, in fact, Miss Revilius, <laughs> right. back from the dead. <laughs> she compliments his work and says he can thank her if he likes. And he asks... She asks... She asks if he would like for her to buy one of his paintings. Yeah. It's a weird scene. It is a weird and scene. And apparently this is enough for them to eventually get married. Right. And that's another thing where it's just like... And in you the might, book, like, this entire relationship is developed. Mm-hmm. It is explained who she is, how they met, how they courted, how they got married. Like, and if you were casually watching this movie, you might not ever realize that they were in fact married. No! Like, it's... Yeah. And... It's insane to me that somehow this movie has already spent this much time on the flight slash marsh mains. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like that got short shrift. Yeah. And yet still here because this relationship is equally as important to his relationship to Julia later. Right. And like she, this woman is the reason that he becomes the toast of London. Mm-hmm. And it is just not yeah. dealt with appropriately. Yeah. Anyway, okay, we're mad. (laughs) We are. We're going to keep being mad. If you're not happy that we're mad, you should probably just stop listening. Yeah, fair enough. Not forever, just to this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll probably like the next thing better. Yeah, we will. Well, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, Anyway, at Charles' home, Sebastian's mom is there. What? (laughs) Uh, Charles' dad was showing her a stuffed owl, but now that Charles is there, he heads out to leave them alone. (laughs) Uh, Mom refuses a seat, congratulates him on his exhibition, and says that she's not there to apologize, but to ask a favor. You should... Okay, pro tip. Yeah. If you want a favor from somebody, I'm going to really strongly recommend that you apologize first. Agreed. Although I guess he does what she wants anyway, so maybe she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she makes it happen. Anyway, uh, Charles is skeptical, but Mom says that Sebastian is missing. He is gone living in a house in Morocco, and she wants Charles so to... So how missing is he? <laughs> well, left up in the air, as we'll see. So she wants Charles to go rescue him. Charles is fairly annoyed, as he should be. Uh, but Mom says that Sebastian cared for Charles more than anyone else. You know, more than any of the others, right? Mm-hmm. So again, she was clearly very well aware of their relationship. She says that all she wants is to see Sebastian safe. Oh, she says that all, like, more generally, she says About all she wants. Yeah, she wants to see her children safe, and all they end up doing is hating her, and then she leaves. Which, again, like, as a parent, I'm like, yeah, your kids are going to hate you eventually, but, like, they'll get over it. Like, you just can't take your kids personally, man. Yeah. And so, first of all, I, what I want to say is that's all true. So then she just leaves, and, like, 
Is Charles supposed to just like pick up the phone and call Morocco and ask if yeah, Sebastian is, she is there? For this? Does she have a location? Like Morocco is a whole country. She also appears to be ill and there's no yeah. lead up to this. And I feel like it was a situation in the books where he was vaguely aware of the family's movements. Mm. In this intervening time. Right. The way that and, you are with exes. Yeah. You know, because sure. he did basically break up with the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I understand you're not going to, you know, that's not going to be easy to put across. In a movie, no, sure. but. Anyway, uh, Charles kind of watches her go out the window and realizes that Julia was in the car the whole time. Uh, he runs out, but the car is already pulling away. Charles walks through a Moroccan hall. Uh, although perhaps more of a tunnel. Yeah, but I was through just like, a bazaar, and I'm like, "Hey, is this suddenly an Indiana Jones movie?" <laughs> I am way more interested. Sadly, it is not. Yeah. Uh, a guy opens a door for him, and he walks in. There's some records, and Aloysius is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's coughing from the next room. Charles walks in and says he's looking for Sebastian, and a dirty-looking guy says that if he sees Sebastian, tell him that he's still there. Yeah. So this isn't going well, right? I'm like, are you a prostitute? Are you just like a guy? Uh-huh. I mean, I guess we're all prostitutes <laughs> if we make less money than the person we're sleeping with. But what about the artists? <laughs> oh, Bertolt Brecht. <laughs> you are a car. <laughs> In a hospital, Charles walks with a doctor who says that Sebastian will recover, but he is very weak. And cannot travel. Mm-hmm. Because his directive was to go get him and bring him back to Brideshead. Right. Uh, Sebastian is sitting in a garden with a buzz cut. Which looks better on him, honestly. Yeah. I mean... I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he looks sickly with it, but... Like, look, hashtag not my Sebastian. (laughs) Fair enough. That's all I have to say. Like, he's just not quite right to me. Yeah, and I can see why they thought they had nailed it with him, you know? Like, like sort of uh, on first glance, you're like, okay, yeah, but... eh. Anyway... He asks what Charles is doing there, and Charles explains. Sebastian says that he wouldn't go home even if he could. Charles says that he believes that Sebastian's mother is dying. Sebastian asks if Charles met Kurt. While? (laughs) Weimar! And Charles is like, yes, on both counts. Um, Sebastian says that he likes Kurt because after all these years of being looked after, it is nice to be able to look after somebody else for a change. Uh, and they sit down. Sebastian says that he asked too much of Charles. Uh, he says that only God can give that sort of love. Really? Like, like uh, blowjobs and stuff? I know. Like gay sex? Is that God only? I don't, but you know what? Gay sex has always been talked about in very rapturous tones. Yeah. Like in all of like the literature about like the platonic ideal and stuff. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. maybe he's been reading some of that nonsense. It's possible. Anyway, Sebastian says he's happy where he is. Charles says that he misses Sebastian. And Sebastian says it's his fault for bringing Charles to Brideshead in the first place. Uh, so Charles stands up, touches his head kind of weirdly, and leaves. Uh, then, in an entirely unidentified room, Charles tells Mom that he is sorry, and she is sad. You know, fart noise. <laughs> All right. And that's the last we ever see of Sebastian. Yeah. We're never told if he lives or dies. I'm pretty sure in the book he dies, doesn't he? I can't remember. He's mentioned offhand once or twice still, but that is the last we see of him. At any rate. On a CGI ship. (laughs) uh, Celia is talking. And we're now back at the beginning of the movie. So Celia is telling him, hey, make an effort. Uh, and then we have uh, Charles finding Julia, and she says, hi, Charles. Yeah. In her room, Julia says she's married now, and Charles is like, yeah, duh. They kiss and proceed to do it. Yeah. To the tune of wistful piano tinkling. Yeah. And we don't like it. No. Like, this should be some, like, hot-blooded jazz. Mm-hmm. Like, the tinkly piano is what you think about when you're, like, 70. <laughs> 
Right. And you're like, remember when? And it's like, bum, 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 <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it was uh, not sexy music. It wasn't sexy at all. Neither was Haley Atwell. <laughs> and I'm not just jealous because she's making out with Matthew well, Good. I is, genuinely don't think she's good in this movie. And this is also the other awful dress that... <gasps> she looks like the prow of a ship, yeah, a la Circle of Friends. Her dress looks like it was made out of the oversized bow on the hood of a car. <laughs> At any rate, uh, after they have sex, Julia says that her mom died without ever seeing Sebastian again, which is definitely how you want to put <laughs> You're like, oh, well, now that you've, you know, if he's still, if he hadn't drained his boner inside of her, uh, he would be real bummed out. Yeah. Charles is like, yeah, you were great too. Uh, Charles, yeah, he's like, okay. And then Julia says they should go out on deck and he's like, what? Like, Everybody's asleep. And I'm like, I doubt that. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of other affair having people doing the same thing. <laughs> she says that, or she's happy for the first time in the whole movie. Yeah. And she they run out. Like happy, like smiles. She yeah. smiles. He wants to know about Rex. She says she drowned Rex and they kiss. She, spoiler alert, did not actually <laughs> drown Rex. In the empty ballroom, they very properly greet and sit down in a farcical manner and order drinks. Julia says she married Rex because she thought he was her painted savage, which I guess is the thing people say about people from the American continent. I suppose so. Uh, and then she says, let's shut up about Rex. <laughs> Julia wants to know if he has kids, and he says no. She asks what he'll tell his wife, and he says that his wife will get into a rage and then settle down, which doesn't seem like a healthy relationship. <laughs> right. She suggests places where they could go uh, to Bone. Yeah. Charles suggests Brideshead. Uh, and she's like, no. Yeah. And he says he'll settle with Rex. And then they down. So I'm yeah. like, this is not going to go well. No, this is not going but well. But again, in the book, this all played out over a much longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And you got the sense of like his wife being on the ship. I'm pretty sure Rex also was on the ship mm -hmm. when this happened. Yeah. And it's just, it's just also, it's, unbelievable that a movie this long can still somehow feel so rushed yeah well and it's funny too and just not about the movie but just about charles and the scene where it's like dude like brideshead is julia's least sexy place on earth yeah like don't come on dude he's not smart he's not that's very true uh at a gathering celia tells charles to make an effort and then uh anthony from the beginning is there and he offers to explain charles's pictures to him in an amusing this sold the whole character yeah yeah like i was not a big fan of him initially but mm -hmm. like this scene really made him make sense yeah yeah uh, he says that he hears that charles is in love and that everybody is talking about how now he's in love with julia rather than sebastian uh, says that charles was the hunted but turns out to be the hunter and there is no end to his hunger and like this is a shitty movie, uh -huh. but this, and there's a couple of other scenes of dialogue that we like jaw dropped. Yeah. We were like, why? Yeah. There's, there's a few key moments and this is one of them. Yeah. It was great. Well, cause Charles is like, what? I thought I'd kept all of this secret. <laughs> you can't fool a gay man in the 1930s. <laughs> a bunch of cars pull up to Brideshead and Julia says that Rex is planning to make money on World War II. And it's like, weren't we all? <laughs> Rex greets them creepily from a balcony and his actual he sounds like somebody doing an impression of Agent Smith for The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Mr. Ryder. <laughs> Julia says they should leave. Yeah. So then they pass a collection of matchboxes, oddly enough. Which is funny because of that Eddie Izzard joke about, I'm arranging matches, <laughs> which we said he should rewrite about being in a hallway. <laughs> right. Based on this movie alone. Yeah. 
Uh, so they sit down with Brother, who is eating dinner alone, as he apparently loves to do. He announces that he has gotten engaged to a woman who describes as not pretty, and uh, but perhaps comely, comely uh, and big. And they're like, you mean fat? He says, no, big. And her name is Beryl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I couldn't, I was, was like, did he, did he say muskrat? Like, I couldn't I don't figure out what his, like, which was, I guess, her last name or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Charles makes fun of his Matchbox collection. And I think that the barrel person is like, her family like makes Matchboxes. Oh. I think that's what was going on. Okay. But again, no subtitles. So yeah. your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. But he makes fun of it and the joke just completely goes over brother's head. Which is head. hilarious. Yes, it was this very... is the funniest scene in the whole movie. It is. Uh, anyway, he says that, oh, by the way, the fiance is not going to be coming around because she's a strict Catholic who would never stay with Julia because she is living in sin. Boom. And they're like, hey, and leave. And brother's like, I did nothing wrong. I'm going to continue my He's, meal. Look, from, like, look, if you're a practicing Catholic, that's totally correct. Yeah. He's like, and it's like, Julia, this has been the rules your whole life. You know the rules. Yeah. Like, you can't break <clears throat> them and then be butthurt. Right. Anyway, uh, Charles and Julia embrace in the hall. Charles and Julia sit with Rex in his study, and Julia leaves, and uh, Rex gives Charles a drink. He's got, like, a concealed whiskey cubby yeah behind the works of dickens perhaps yeah anyway he says he's vulgar on purpose in britain because it does something for him right uh like it like fascinates people yeah or whatever it's basically like a networking tactic yeah so rex says that julia can never marry again uh because why well she's catholic right oh right yeah okay and he says that charles just wants to get his hands on the house and Rex says that he converted for the wedding. Uh, he was never a Catholic before. Right. Which Charles apparently didn't realize. And he makes fun of Charles for not being willing to fake being Catholic, which I kind of, I don't know. I'm torn on that. <laughs> right. As somebody who refused to fake being Catholic. But at the same time, like, Brideshead wasn't, like, the prize. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's another thing, too, is everybody talks about how Charles just wants Brideshead. And it's like, you know, A... He I doesn't get it anyway. No, and I don't get that from this adaptation. Right. I don't get it from this adaptation. Or like, he says he likes it twice, and, like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So there's not the all-consuming right. thing there, which is more in the book, mm-hmm. where it's, like, this whole world to him, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, because that's, again, what's going the the scenes with his father, where it's like they never quite figure out what they're doing, because is this, like, this horrifically confining you know like life that he's just looking for a place to bust out of and brideshead becomes that for him or like what nobody really thought about it now like these are some words that are in the book (laughs) anyway charles says that rex better get to the point and rex has to make him an offer and then says if charles gives him a couple of those jungle picks uh he'll give julia an annulment and julia's listening the whole time and not pleased by any of what she hears indeed Charles goes ahead and agrees, and Rex says either that Julia's mad or barren. Probably barren, but it was very hard to understand what was going yeah. on. But she lost the only child that she ever was pregnant with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, if you were looking for kids, you can't have them. Yeah. You um, aren't! <laughs> Kids-wise. Yeah. Uh, so then Julia flees to the fountain. Uh, Charles meets her there, uh, tries to comfort her. And Julia says that uh, God punished her with the, the miscarriage or whatever, and uh, she thought that she could be free of Brideshead, essentially, but she's there and she can just feel the Catholic guilt just, like, pouring out of the house and infecting her, essentially. Uh, yeah, that's how Catholic that, girl- that's, guilt works. Yeah. It's very location-specific. That's a real thing. 
Charles leaves Brideshead with Julia. A car passes them the other way, and it's Julia's dad. Yeah. So a crowd of servants gathers to help dad out of the car and carry him inside. Like, they get a chair, Mm -hmm. and they put him in it, and he's on, like, an oxygen mask or something. Mm -hmm. And then Julia made uh, Charles turn around, and she greets him, and he's like, oh, great, you're here. And as they go in, Kara tells Charles that uh, dad has come home to die. Yeah. And he does not look good. No. Even for Michael Gambon. (laughs) Julia looks at her sleeping father and asks her siblings if they should let Sebastian know. The younger sister says that he probably wouldn't come, even if he knew he seems very settled in as a porter at that hospital. Julia says to get a priest, and brother agrees. Charles points out that dad's not religious, but brother's like, uh, you don't get Catholics. And you don't, dude. because look, you know what? If I was, like, dying, like, currently, and, like, my family was all around, they would be like, get a priest. Mm-hmm. And I would, like, let them, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's for them. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if he came, if he had stayed in Venice, that'd be one thing. Right. But it he would came have been there, up to Cara. So, so, yeah. Charles is in the dad's room for some reason, and there's a nurse in there, and then she leaves, and uh, dad says that his nurse wants him dead, which seems weird. Yeah. He asks if Charles wants him dead. Charles is like, no, man. Like, I'm just, I don't even know why I'm in this room. <laughs> right. Like, the script just said to show up here. Uh, he says the family's sending for a priest and the dad wants to know why Charles cares. Has he become the dad's conscience? <laughs> uh, but the dad says that he watched the mom crucify Sebastian and he stood by and they all let him down. So it's this whole like crisis of faith thing. And I'm also like, Charles, you maybe shouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, probably not. This is not your, you know, lookout. Yeah. Brother brings the priest into dad's room. The dad says to get the priest away. So they all leave. Julia asks Charles what he was talking to her father about. And Charles says that her father doesn't want a priest. And Julia says to stay out of it. I concur. Mm -hmm. Charles says that Julia is free now, but she says she can't leave while her father's dying. And Charles is like, fine. Uh, But he says that when this is over, he will make her happy. And Julia asks why she should believe him. After all, he just bought her from Rex. Uh, and Julia says that he just wanted the house, and she asks what he really wants, and then Charles mumbles some kind of monologue about how they should run away or whatever. Uh, but also, like, Julia... Did, did you, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, this was... I. This seemed to be the clear... Did you think Rex was going to pay him to take you? <laughs> right. Or, like, what? Like, that was the deal. And she, well, because she specifically says, I would have thought it would have worth at least three. And I was like, he's not negotiating against himself. He's not going to bid up the price. Come on. So stupid. Yeah. Anyway, brother pushes past Charles in a hallway and the priest is giving last rites to dad as the family prays. And then the priest wraps up and dad slowly does the sign of the cross. And he like kind of almost gets to the fourth point, but mm-hmm. then he like dies. Yeah. Uh, but Julie is really psyched. Charles yeah. is very conflicted and walks out of the room. Julia walks out and they're looking at the Holy Family painting, uh, which actually was a gift. It was a wedding gift from the dad to the mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles says that he wants too much and Julia says it's nobody's fault. Charles says that he's, that she's not coming with him. And Julia says she can't shut herself off from his, i.e., God's mercy. Right. And I'm like, all right. Like, you can go to confession, dude. Like, yeah, but she can't, you know get a you know she can't remarry really you know at any rate charles says something you know blah 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 but he understands yeah so back in wartime present from the beginning there's soldiers walking around inside bride's head and charles voiceovers about how did he really want too much and all that while just sort of standing around looking sad so clearly he's an officer because he could just stand (laughs) around looking sad uh then some sergeant or whatever says 
this place sucks the nearest village is like five miles off you know for them to get beer Whores. and hookers yeah. yeah um charles asks about the family that was there and sarge says that uh the brother died in the blitz and julia is off somewhere she's working in the reserves yeah uh and also that they're all catholic and he kind of <laughs>, laughs about it uh sarge says that he's not religious and uh he has a great line where he says you're born you live and you die and i'm like that's great yeah and he also says that the old ways uh downton fans will sound very familiar to you uh that the old ways are all going uh during the uh, now with this war and that it's their time long as they don't get killed uh sarge heads off and charles sits on the fountain and we see Charles entering the chapel. He dips his hand in the holy water Which, and remembers... You're still not Catholic, dude. Well, look, nobody's there to sass him, are they? <laughs> he remembers Sebastian in the Moroccan hospital and Julia on that ship, and he puts his fingers to the candle flame that's lit in there for some reason. Right. For a few seconds. And then he pulls them away and then out of focusly walks out of another damn hall. And that's the end and of the movie. that's the end. Yeah. Like, again, this, this is what the frame narrative was for. It was for her to, to put his fingers near a candle for a second. In the book, he prays, mm-hmm. which is an interesting choice, and it's more interesting than this choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we wind up with, you know, a lot of boring Britishing signifying nothing in this movie. Yeah, and it's funny, like, looking, glancing through the re- reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, because it, it came in, like, just barely fresh, I believe, but as you're going through, even all the positive reviews, the one-sentence summaries are all things like, you know... A worthy effort and perhaps not as good as the miniseries, yeah. but, or, you know, all these things. It just was real disappointing. It was. And, it, you know, again, like, things in its favor, uh, very pretty to look at for the most part, except for Julia's dresses. Matthew Good. Matthew Good is pretty to look at at all times. Uh, you know, it, it had real discussion of religion in a semi-interesting way. Um... That's about it. No, but I mean, nothing had an arc. Yeah. It feels so flat. It does. Everything felt preordained. Nothing mm-hmm. felt fresh. The And the relation, I mean, and the, the Charles Sebastian relationship just had nothing. No. And like those two were game for it. Yeah. Like that wasn't either of their fault. No. Like the scenes that they did have together were very like electrified. Yeah. They had chemistry. And even, like the scene where Julia and Charles finally do have sex was good. Except yeah. for that dress. Right. And also Haley Atwell had a better hairstyle. Then, That's true. That which was, was a extraordinarily helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it didn't do it. Yeah. And not even in, like, a way that we could really make fun of it, yeah. like, as much as we would maybe like to. No, but we, we would like to make fun of it more, but it was just kind of... It wasn't even bad, like, ah, it was, it was just, just... It was just there. Yeah, it was just a generic British movie. Yeah, so... Like, I remember there was a scene with a train pulling up at some point, and I just imagined them, like, okay, we're penciling in cars driving around the countryside, a train pulling into a station, you know, all the, we got to get all these British things British film in. bingo. Yeah. So, this is good for that, but not much else. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, mm-hmm. we'll be back with, hopefully, a better piece of media. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll be doing Suffragette, the movie. Excellent. Uh, which we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, we don't know. It's got Helen Bottom Carter in it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's at least going to be some crazy shit. <laughs> Uh, so until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs luncheon out.